Are there any specific exercises or recommendations that you recommend people go through to help get them in the habit of thinking about the differences or the various differences that the people that they serve, the people that they're trying to reach might have so that their targeting can be better? Yeah. I mean, I think the ideal answer is build diverse teams in the first place. So if you can't do that (laughs) yourself, you know, if you can't do that yourself and your company hire a vendor with diversity or bring in a consultant who can offer a different perspective or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. And and it's not an easy thing to do. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's something we've been working on for a couple of years and we're seeing successes with that. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, a show that's all about helping you win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. The other day, I saw a TikTok video where a woman was expressing her frustration with always having to type in black girl behind everything she wants to see in searches. Basically, if she didn't type in black girl behind what she was searching for, be it for updos, for hairstyles, or for nude stockings, or for nude undergarments, or whatever it was that she was looking for, if she didn't type in that specific marker, then what the search algorithms were producing, and these are based upon inputs from brands, by the way, are often by default imagery and results defined for dominant groups, and thus underrepresented groups remain underrepresented, and their experiences aren't normalized, which can be, in a word, frustrating. Anyway, the reason why I bring this up is because as a brand, you can work to change and influence scenarios like this as you make your performance marketing campaigns more inclusive. Performance marketing, whether or not you call it that, is a critical piece of how many brands acquire customers. So it makes perfect sense that we should give attention to this area as we work to build inclusive brands that make more people feel like they belong. So to cover this topic, I sat down with Karen Amundsen, founder of Apiary Digital, a performance marketing collective. She brought a lot of great insights as to how you can start baking inclusion into every part of your customer acquisition process. So here's my chat with Karen. Hey, Karen. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm so excited to be on your show. I'm a huge fan. Oh, (laughs) well, I'm a big fan of yours too. Um, And I'm, I'm really excited about this topic. So let's go ahead and dive in. But before we do, let's just let the people in on that. Who are you and what do you do? I am Karen Amundsen, founder and chair of Apiary Digital. I am a white lady named Karen who is passionate about inclusive marketing, racial equity, and just equity in all its forms. Apiary Digital is a performance marketing collective. So we are all about helping our clients grow their customer acquisition. And we firmly believe that the outcome of inclusive marketing done well is also growing your customer acquisition program. So one in the same, it's not a, you know, extracurricular. Nice. And I, I've known you, I mean, almost two years now. Um, and I, I love how 
your commitment to really integrating the principles of inclusion and diversity and belonging, not only into your business from a how you're working through and servicing your customers, but also just how you're building your brand and your team. So I'm just excited that we're able to have this conversation today. And it's just been really lovely to see your commitment in your journey over these two years. All right. So you mentioned uh, a really great topic, well, in terms of what apiary is, but for those people who aren't aware, can you just let us know what is performance marketing? Yes. So I would say over the last couple of years, there's more and more overlap between brand marketing and performance marketing. But I think the best way to explain it is, so tell me a brand, like maybe a well-known brand that you like. I, ooh, um, I like Hint. Um, the, it's a water company. Well, so they have water, but they put like, you know, different flavors of yes. water, like essences of fruit flavors in uh-huh. it. So yeah, that's what I'm looking at on my desk now. <laughs> so when you think of Hint, what do you think of? I think of probably a brand that gets that I want water, but, and I want, sometimes I want some flavor in my water, but Mm -hmm. I don't always want like stuff in my water. I want it to be water. Like I don't want like natural or artificial. I mean, I don't want artificial flavors and things like that in it. Right. So you have this feeling of like clean, refreshing, it's pure, but it's just a little bit more fun than just water, right? So you have that feeling about it. Yes. So that's brand marketing, right? Yes. So what do you what do you think of when you think of blank? What's the first thing you think of? That is brand marketing. But the performance marketing is how did you remember to buy it? What were the channels that helped you to find it? What were the barriers to buying it that were removed for you? How did you actually get converted as a customer? You know, that's performance marketing. And so channels that could be considered performance marketing could be things like email marketing. Like maybe you got a, you know, coupon like, hey, you're going to get a free. We have this new watermelon flavor coming out. Um, If you buy the lime flavor, we'll give you the free, you know, watermelon. Or it could be search marketing. Like maybe you can't find it in your local grocery store. So you're searching for it you know, or maybe you're searching like clean ingredients and some content comes up where it's, it's listed in there. So those would all be some examples or any sort of like paid advertising that's performance marketing. Oh, uh, okay. So there are a number of channels that could be used, but it's, is it, cause I'm guessing in the name performance marketing, it's things that you can very easily measure as well. It is, but I think that that's where it gets a little bit murky because we would also consider, you know, and I think this is, this is, it's about the intention, right? So you could say like growth marketing, performance marketing are sort of in my mind, two words that mean the same ish thing, but with growth marketing, you might be thinking more about product led growth, which would be like things in your app, let's say that will help, you know, to drive, drive sales in and of itself it's, it's a full funnel kind of thing. So it does include that awareness side of it. And some of those things aren't as measurable, like inclusive marketing, <laughs> but still are encompassed in, you know, what does it really take to convert a customer? And that's performance marketing. Got it. Okay. Um, so speaking of inclusive marketing, what are some common ways that you've seen where performance marketing campaigns aren't inclusive? Because I think this is a newer area for brands and practitioners in this space? Yeah, definitely. So I would say it's largely a lack of awareness or even thinking about it in the first place. So 
If you were to go on Google right now and search for nude stockings or nude lipstick and you see the shopping results, you're going to see a lot of sort of white default imagery, right? Because marketers aren't thinking about like, wow, nude could mean something really different to different people. And so this is a big problem because already today in the U.S., we know over 40% of people from the latest census are people of color. And that's leaving a lot of dollars on the table if people aren't feeling included in your brand. Absolutely. I've made that Google search several times and have always been disappointed. And even further, I've worn those nude stockings that are not matched with my skin tone and it's they looked awful and I was mad the whole time. So <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that there are other options these days. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, so from your experience working with clients, what, why is it that campaigns in this area leave so much room for improvement from an inclusion standpoint? Is it more because they haven't thought about it or are there other things at play as well? I think that very, very few people are thinking about inclusive performance marketing. It's not really a thing yet. And I think by nature, performance marketers, we are data nerds, right? And we rely a lot on technology and AI-driven platforms. And so, and I will say I was one of these people in the past. You, It's a tendency to think, oh, the technology is blind, right? I'm just broad targeting and the algorithm is, you know, doing the work for me. So I can't possibly be excluding people, right? Because I'm just letting the, the tools do it. But what I have come to understand, and I would recommend, there's a great book called Algorithms of Oppression by Dr. Safia Noble, and she has some more recent work as well. But it, it really it was really eye-opening for me when I read that book. Um, unfortunately, if you approach things without that intentionality, algorithms can actually amplify biases, right? So if we think about, you know, just basic tactics that we might do as performance marketers, let's say we're a search marketer. And we're looking at, um, you know, we have our keyword list of here's things we think are relevant to our brand. People search on those. We look at, oh, these were the best performing keywords that drove the most revenue. Let's get more keywords like those. And there's tools even that will, you know, spit out keyword suggestions. But what list did you start from, right? What did you miss in the first yeah. place? You know, or or in social marketing, you might do some kind of, here's my best customers, go find me customers, more customers like that. You know, hey, Facebook, lookalike targeting, right? Well, where did right. you get that customer list? Like, you should definitely do that tactic. That's a great tactic. But what are you doing to feed the data that you need to train the algorithms to be more inclusive and help you find those customers that you might be missing? So it sounds like a lot of this goes into figuring out who are the people who have the problem that your brand solves and thinking about them probably broader than what is like general population or, you know, like what the most mainstream or the majority is because um, how you define who your customer is, whether that's in an inclusive way or not, impacts the targeting impacts all the other decisions that you're making after it from a performance marketing standpoint. Is that right? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think that gen pop kind of, we call it like the general population targeting because we have been sort of to borrow an idea from Ibram X. Kendi drenched in these ideas our whole lives. It's easy to just think, oh, I'm targeting the gen pop, but actually you're targeting sort of a able-bodied, white, young, 
whatever default, you know? Yeah. And even I think to take it a step further, we also need to think about these things in B2B marketing. I think there's a tendency when we think about inclusion to think about consumer brands, but there is just increasing diversity in terms of who the business decision makers are. And those are people on the other end of those decisions. And so I think there's even more room to improve in B2B marketing than consumer marketing. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because I think at the end of the day, people forget sometimes that when they're talking about consumers or decision makers, we're really just talking about people. And we've all got Mm -hmm. these various differences. Are there any specific exercises or recommendations that you recommend people go through to help get them in the habit of thinking about the differences or the various differences that the people that they're served, the people that they're trying to reach might have so that their targeting can be better? Yeah. I mean, I think the ideal answer is build diverse teams in the first place. So if you can't do that (laughs) yourself, you know, if you can't do that yourself and your company hire a vendor with diversity or bring in a consultant that who can offer a different perspective or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. And we have seen, we've been working, you know, this, and it's not an easy thing to do. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's something we've been working on for a couple of years and we're seeing successes with that. You know, we had a client come to us with a sunscreen brand, for example, and we were able to build a diverse team to approach the problem of going to market with this brand. And particularly, they were turning to us for their Facebook advertising. Immediately, the person of color on the team with dark skin, like darker skin tone, recognized the value of the sunscreen in ways that nobody else did. It's a zinc-based sunscreen that, you know, usually like you put on that zinc sunscreen, it just makes you ghost white and doesn't rub in and like darker skin, you know, she was like, I've never been able, I always want to use zinc sunscreen because it's so good for your skin. It doesn't have all the toxic things, but I don't want to have that ghost white look. And so, and it was just kind of like, it wasn't like an exercise. It was just because we had the diversity on the team, it was immediately obvious. Right. And that informed our creative strategy, right. you know, and we were able to represent differently in the creative. And actually it's when it comes to Facebook ads and performance marketing, you know, paid media in general, It's not just about like, yes, it is about your customers seeing themselves represented in the ads, but it also the creative also influences who sees your ads because depending on how people respond, it influences the algorithms in terms of the targeting. And so it has this kind of repercussive effect. If you start with more representative to creative to begin with, your ads are actually going to show to a broader audience. And um, I'll just add one more thing to that point, which is A huge problem we have in the industry is ad fatigue and audience fatigue. You know, clients are always coming to us with that challenge, like, hey, my Facebook ads perform great or my whatever ads perform great. And then they, but until they didn't, you know, why didn't they? It's like, well, because you're reaching the same customers over and over again, you need to expand, right? right? So in this way, inclusive marketing intentionally is also a solution to just industry challenges that we face. Absolutely. Oh, I I never thought of it that that way um, in terms of like, it's just kind of recycling through and you're it's just going to show more of the same, but those are, that's how algorithms work. So I, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. Um, and just another reason to expand, you know, who it is that you're thinking about and trying to reach. Are there certain channels that lend themselves more than others to needing a more targeted approach um, to reaching more diverse consumers? Yes and no. So I think to do performance marketing well, I know it's not an easy answer, but you need to have a multi-channel approach 
to be successful with performance marketing, period. It takes many touches with a brand for someone to make a conversion. And if you have some great, you know, really inclusive, I don't know, email marketing strategy, but then a really terrible search strategy or something, you know, customers are going to be turned off, right? People can sense when you haven't really have an integrated approach. So I think it's really about always asking the question, who are we missing in this strategy? Who are the customers that we're not including? And then there's different modalities in the, t- in the channels that are relevant. So in your SEO, for example, or your paid search, paid or organic search, it's about potentially your keyword strategy. Okay. So like if you are pregnant, you have different skincare concerns than if you are not pregnant. Right. Well, if you have never been a pregnant person or never thought about that and you're a skincare brand, you might be really missing out on keywords that someone might search who could use your brand. I'll pause there, but like I think there's different tactics that are relevant to the channels, but you should have a really you know holistic approach. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, um, and I found this thinking about just customer experience in general, whenever, um, and I was thinking about this more so when it's specific to like Spanish speaking audience where people will have, you know, a number, let's say a phone number um, to call so that if you impress two, if you want to speak to somebody in Spanish, but the person on the other end answers in English, right? Um, and so there's uh, there's like a disconnect yes. in different areas, right? In terms of the experience. And so like you said, like it can, if they haven't built a, some more of a holistic approach, you can definitely end up with a, a broken experience that kind of just kind of pushes away the people that you've already worked so hard to, to bring in. Yeah, pushes away or you just sort of, they go, you know, kind of to use language from your, your courses, this brand isn't for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think one, you know, and again, kind of going back to the B2B thing, we work with a client that is, they sell to uh, small business owners. And if you think about like, who are small business owners, it is maybe not who you might think over index, uh, small business owners over, over index women and people of color relative to the U.S. population. And so when we did that research, right, so we're data-driven performance marketing nerds. So you think about who are we missing and you do a bit of research on, right. on um, who the audience is. It then opens up the aperture of your content strategy, for example, and your keyword strategy and SEO. And it also helps you to find those like in, um, you know, search marketing, you always are trying to find those nuggets of high search volume, but low competition keywords. And so if your competitors aren't doing it, the world is open to you and you can help to, you know, really have a more impactful content strategy. Absolutely. What role would you say that cultural intelligence plays in performance marketing? Because I imagine like if you're trying to put together a keyword strategy to reach certain groups of people, you might use different words and phrases that are more characteristic of the way they search, the way they talk, their frames of reference. And if yeah. you don't know that, it might be harder to have more targeted searches. Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. And that's something that probably most search marketers have run into this whenever they've worked with an international client who has multiple languages or something. And you, um, you know, you do some direct translating of like, oh, we're, you know, talking about rental cars and we're trying to get you to 
buy a rental car, but in this country, it translates to hiring a car or something like that, right? So it's something that I think search marketers have run into in their careers all throughout, and that we have the ability to, like, we already have all those skills. It's just about how do you apply that to thinking about inclusive performance marketing? Got it. Got it. So I know you mentioned that you all are like data junkies, right? So data nerds. What type of um, input on or data do brands need to effectively be more inclusive um, with their performance marketing campaigns? Yeah. So I think it is about doing the research on who the potential audience is, you know, looking at the demographics, for example. But I think it's also worth cautioning that, well, I think the outcome of inclusive marketing when you do it well is that you're growing your business, you're acquiring new customers. I think the intention of it has to, it may not pencil out when you like, you know, you do your customer research, right? And you're like, oh, well, this population is only 3% of the total market share. We're not going to, we're just going to ignore them, right? Right. But the way I would think about it is, I'll give you an, I guess I'll just give you an example. So Mm -hmm. for Apiary, my company, we are building a new website for our brand. And we have decided to incorporate accessibility into the requirements of the build from the beginning. So people with different abilities can access our content. Now, do we think that the market of, let's say, you know, of accessibility, one component is people who are, have visual disabilities. Is that a huge market where it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, there's, you know, thousands of potential customers who are going to find our brand and like want to buy performance marketing services from us? Probably not. But we are building, you know, audio, we're, we're recording voiceover audio versions of our content and making the website accessible for those people. Not because we're expecting return, but because, you know, we're doing that for those people. But there's going to be unintended consequences that are positive. For one thing, audio content is easier to rank well on Google because there's just less of it. And Google is now indexing that content more and more, and that's improving. You know, busy executives don't have time to read our content. Great. They can listen to it on their drive home. Maybe there's just champions of, you know, People with disabilities who are like, wow, Apiary is going the extra mile for us. Let's be a champion of their brand. And you have a term for this in your class, like where you build, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but you build for a specific. Right. Design for the niche, win for the masses, win the yes, masses, right? Exactly. And it's really a spillover effect, right? So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yes, you have to be data driven, but there's some, you know, judgment calls that need to happen to really see through inclusive performance marketing correctly. Yeah. And I think part of what you're saying as well is that if it's a part of your values, if inclusion is a part of your values, data is important. But if you have like a small number, the data isn't the driver necessarily always because you feel like this is the right thing to do for our business. Mm -hmm. Um, It will pay dividends, like you said, for the business, but it might not always be oh, should we, until we get above 40% in this case, you know, we're not going to do something. It's not necessarily that that cut and dry. Well, and if you think about like 2012, brands were still having a hard time justifying the expense of a mobile site. You know, like mobile doesn't convert and there's not enough return on mobile to build a mobile presence. But if you didn't build that mobile presence, you're dead in the water now, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think you have to think about it like that a little bit. Yeah. So you and I have talked about this before. Like, I love to say inclusive marketing is the future of marketing. And you are the one 
who said, I think you were like, inclusive marketing is going to be like digital marketing was 10 years ago. Yeah. Whereas like you were just saying with mobile, like if you didn't do it, then you were forced to do it. Right. So it's kind of like, you don't want to wait to get started on this thinking about inclusion in your marketing strategy once you're forced to, because it's already, you're already behind. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're two years in, and I would say we're now starting to see that starting to pay off in our business. And I would also say, so yes, you should think about this for brands. You should also think about this for yourself as a marketer, future-proofing your own individual career, Mm. both because when you look at who consumers are now and in the future, you know, I think I learned from your podcast from um, Julie Williams, Project 2043, that U.S. will be the largest Spanish-speaking country population in the world Mm -hmm. soon. And that even today, you know, K through 12, there's no racial majority, right? So you're thinking about future-proofing your career from that standpoint, who you're marketing to. But also, if you think about, you know, the thing I talked about earlier, where there's this sort of technology-driven, like, over time, automation, AI, there's aspects of our jobs that are being taken by machines, but it takes a human to do the critical thinking and say, what data is training this, you know, algorithm? What is, how can I go out and find, like, I'm going to go build an audience list of people that this machine is never going to find on its own. And then I'm going to point the machines at that, you know, list to find me more people like that. But it's just another way that you can future-proof your career individually, whether or not you're with a brand that is, you know, ready to do that. Absolutely. Do you have any best practices or guiding principles that brands should embrace when thinking about how to engage and reach diverse consumers from a performance marketing standpoint? Yeah. So I would say it's early to be in, you know, the best practices phase. I would say, (laughs) I think we're not there yet. Like I, I honestly, I don't think anybody, like hardly anybody in our industry is even thinking about it. Um, so I would just start making it a priority and like work towards building diverse teams because that is one of the ways that you're going to unlock those things and just start by informing yourself of the demographics of the potential audience that you were reaching today like even in your top markets you know who who is that audience and what are you doing to reach them for sure so Thinking about like hiring diverse teams that you're saying, and that can be your own internal brand team, as well as like an external partner that you're working with, like an agency. Are there certain skill sets or is there like a right talent mix that people should be considering whenever trying to making sure that they, they've got the insight um, and the right diversity on their team needed to do this well? Yeah. So you're talking about like when you're looking for a new vendor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say the good news is we've started to see in clients, brands, when they're making an RFP request for a proposal, we are starting to see companies put, you know, somewhere in there, something about like diversity, inclusion in, in the requirements, but it's usually buried. It's a bullet point buried, you know, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people when you're building your requirements for vendors to make inclusion, inclusive marketing, a much higher priority and making it really clear requirement, you know, not like it's because it's the right thing to do, but because if you need to make a business case for it, this is like, you need to do this to future proof your business. Right. 
also look at who are the decision makers for the vendor. So yes, maybe they have who like, who do they bring to the pitch team? Who are they going to put on your team? And then who are the decision makers? And understanding that everyone, a lot of vendors like, you know, APR included, we're relatively new in building inclusion, but it's, it should be something like a question, a great question that you could ask is how are you going to how are you going to go to market with an inclusive strategy for our customers? And so that is something that, you know, it's a question that you should ask. How are you going to bring this to market for us? Absolutely. Oh, this is super, super insightful. Um, is there any parting words of wisdom that you have for people who want to engage with diverse consumers and do it authentically and do it well from a performance marketing standpoint? Yeah. So. You know, I know this is kind of reiterating something that you you said, but back in the day, like digital marketing was this thing where you would hire, it was this new thing and like the old guard had a hard time adopting and adjusting from, you know, print <laughs> advertising and you would hire these like trendy new, you know, digital agencies to help you figure it out. And now look at us, right? Digital marketing is marketing. Inclusive marketing is going to be marketing in the future. Right. So I would just say, don't be afraid to get started and learn how to have hard conversations, you know, because it's a hard thing to do. And I would also say you have to do it kind of from the inside out. Like it's hard to just go to market for your brand directly to customers, or if you are on the agency side like us to go directly to our clients and their customers when you haven't sort of done the work. Um, a little bit about our journey and how we got started. You know, I started just kind of like personally with my own racial reckoning, if you will, and thinking and learning about equity in general. And then I brought that to, you know, we brought that to the executive team and we worked internally to build out KPIs, DE&I related KPIs for our business and then each leadership role in the company. And those are things we report on monthly in our with our finance numbers. It's things we talk about in people's reviews. It impacts their performance. We have a budget for, you know, building DE&I into our business, right? And then we have coaching with you. You know, I would say if anyone's having a hard time getting started, just, you know, sign up for Sonia's classes, listen to her podcast, sign up for her email, <laughs> like sign up for group coaching. If you don't know how to get started, that's how you get started. <laughs> you know, you. and and we really, like, yes, yes, seriously. I mean, and that has really helped. Like we've had to have hard conversations along the way about, you know, in our journey of trying to hire a more diverse team and running into uncomfortable things that we you know, don't want to have to talk about butters there. And so that then allows you, it gives you sort of the currency to then, you know, retain people and have the diverse teams in the first place and then be able to have the strategies. So I think that's why, you know, when you ask like, what are the like best practices? It's so like, it, you do need to start inside out a little bit in order for it mm -hmm. to really be successful. So that's a little bit about our journey. And we're you know, I'd say we're now in a place where we are bringing some of these things to market with our clients and it's being really well received and there's so much upside. So I just, I hope that more, you know, more marketers will uh, take this to heart in, you know, the performance space and everywhere. I hope they do too. And I want to thank you for being a leader, especially like you said, you're, you're blazing a trail in a space where it's important we should be thinking about it more, but there's no guidance. It doesn't exist. So you're just kind of charting your own path. So thank you for doing that for yourselves as well as for others. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about Apiary and follow along with your with your journey? 
Yeah, you can find us at apridigital.com. You can find us at sales at apridigital.com via email or any social, major social platforms. You can find us at apridigital. Nice. I'll put all that in the show notes so people can find it. Karen, this has been a really lovely chat. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I hope a lot of people, I am sure people who are listening will have their wheels turning about ways that they can start being inclusive, specifically in their performance marketing parts of their broader plans. So thank you again. Amazing. Thank you so much. Karen had so many great things to share. And one thing that I want to highlight for you, as you start thinking about how to get started applying some of the things she shared, is to think more broadly about the types of people who have the problem your brand solves. So often we think only of the most privileged or dominant identities, which of course excludes a lot of people who would be perfect for what your brand offers, but they aren't even considered. So I encourage you to make a list of all the different ways the people who have the problem your brand solves could be different. What are the various identities that they could hold? Starting here could lead you down the path to help you identify who you could do a better job of including, serving, and making feel like they belong with you. That's it for today's episode. If you like this show, I would love it if you'd subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review for it. It really does help the show and helps others discover it. And wouldn't it be great if there are more people practicing inclusion and making more people feel like they belong? I tend to think so. Also, I want to hear from you. If you have a question, a comment on this episode or a previous one or comment in general, or you just want to say hi, send me a voicemail at inclusivemarketing.co slash voicemail. I love to feature your questions and your comments on the show. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks for listening. <laughs>